Welcome to this teaching from the Refuge Church online experience. We're happy you're listening. As a reminder, at the end of all of our teachings, you'll have an opportunity to participate in the biblical practice of communion. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, consider gathering the elements, such as a piece of bread or a cracker, and your beverage of choice. And take a couple of minutes at the end to remember and participate in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We also encourage you to do it with at least one other person, if possible. Thank you. I want to read, uh, we're going to talk from Ephesians 6. You uh, probably know this passage if you're uh, a prayer warrior person who uh, loves scriptures about spiritual warfare. This is, this is a go-to for anyone who loves to to read about spiritual warfare and pray, pray into that. So uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. It says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now every time I read that, I think of Kathy. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Boom. Amen. Let's go home. You know that uh, God has lost all objectivity with you. He can't be objective. He, uh, he's not an objective judge in your situation. You know, it'd be sort of like if my son was playing in a basketball game and they needed a referee and I was in the stands. I know the game fairly well. I, I know the rules fairly well. But I'd have to be honest and say, I can't be an objective judge. He is radically in love with you. And his love is subject to nothing but his character. His opinion of you is not subject to new information. You ever have an opinion about someone and then you learn more about them? And your opinion changes? Doesn't happen with God. His opinion of you is not subject to new information because there is no such thing as new information for God. He's never learned anything new about you. He's not surprised by anything you do, any thoughts you have. He knows it all, and he loves you. He is not an objective voice in your life. He's biased. And because his love isn't subject to your performance, or your character, or your circumstances. It's stable and steady because you and I are not steady or stable. But he never changes. 
He loves you because of who he is, not because of who you are. If his love was based on us, it would be, you know, fluid. But it is steady. It is constant. It's immovable. Because he is steady. He is constant. And he's immovable. In Song of Solomon... It says that his banner over me is love. And what that means is all the dealings of God in my life are rooted in and motivated by love. He does nothing in my life out of any other place than love. He's never allowed anything in my life for any other reason other than love. He's never spoken to me for any other reason other than love. The banner over my life is the love of God. Why is this happening to me? The love of God. I don't care what it is. God has something in that situation. He is working his love into your life. I'm not saying he's the author of the horrible thing in your life. What I'm saying is the dealings of God, he is going to work that thing out for your good based on his love. Because all the things he does in your life are rooted and grounded in love. If this is true, is it true? Okay, good. If this is true, then we can be confident that the one who never slumbers and never sleeps is watching over our hearts and every motive of his actions towards us is love so we can rest assured that whatever I'm facing, God has a plan for. If I'm facing something painful, he must have a plan to turn it into something good for me. And not just, he doesn't just take bad things and turn them into something good, but he actually takes a bad thing and makes your life better than if that bad thing had not have happened. He does this crazy thing, and I don't know if you, maybe you have a situation, and you're like, I have some in my life that I do not ever want to relive again. But if I'm honest, when I look back, I thank God for them. I would never have chosen that road. I would never have chosen that pain. But I look back now, and I say, God, what you did out of it was worth it. And I'm a better person because of what you did in that place. So, what's this have to do with spiritual warfare? Why the devil? Why? I, what I mean is, why not just wipe him off the face of the earth after the resurrection? Jesus died, gets buried, resurrects. Now he's, he's uh, stripped the enemy of all his authority, and he says, okay, now devil, now I'm really ticked off. And just wipe him out, heaven on earth, right then and there. Why, why go through all of this that we're going through? Why not just eliminate the devil? If he's headed to the lake of fire someday, why can't today be someday? God's able, right? He's got all power. And he definitely has the right to remove Satan. He owns the planet. The devil's a rebel. He deserves to be punished. And I mean, so he's got the power. He's got the right. And he's already said that he's going to do it. Why not just do it? I mean, think of, since the time of the resurrection, think of all the pain, all the devastation, all the famines and pandemics and diseases and wars and all of that. 
Why not just wipe him out? Well, first of all, there's something, I don't exactly understand this, but there's something about the presence of the enemy that enables God to get glory. When you face temptation and you turn to God, he gets glory. When you choose to be satisfied in him and not what the devil is offering you, he gets glory. If God were to destroy Satan and all the demons right now, it would surely magnify and draw attention to his power. We would be impressed with the power of God. But God wants to do more than just put his power on display. He is determined to magnify not only his power, but his superior beauty and his transcendent worth and to show all parties concerned that he is deserving of our trust and that he alone can satisfy our deepest desires. The enemy exists for God's glory. The second reason he didn't just wipe him out right then and there is actually the thing we're going to talk about today. Prayer. There's some value to God's people knowing how to persistently and in perseverance go after it in prayer. How valuable is prayer? God is willing to allow the enemy to roam to teach us how to pray. There's something that the enemy provides in our training of, he's training our hands for battle and our fingers for war. He is training us to be more than conquerors and you can't be more than conquerors without an enemy to conquer. Prayer, prayer magnifies God more. I mean, think about this. Let's say you're homesick and you're unable to cook or clean or mow the lawn, take care of laundry, all that stuff. You're, you're bedridden. And you call a friend and you say, oh, I fell and hurt my back. I can't get out of bed. And the kids need fed and my my spouse needs fed, and the laundry hasn't been done, and the lawn needs mowed. And, and you call your friend, and you ask for help. And your friend replies, yeah, I'd be happy to help. And they come, and they prepare a meal for your family, and they do the laundry, and they mow the, the lawn, and they, they, they clean the house, and they do all the things that you were unable to do. Who gets glory? Not you. That friend. There's something in prayer that gives God glory. And if there, if, if there wasn't that battle, there would be no need for supplication. There would be no need to go to God and say, Lord, help. And there's something in the battle where God gets glory. He wants to partner with us in securing the victory. He's not interested in wiping the enemy off the planet all by himself. He wants to do it with us. I'm, uh, as I've been studying and preparing each week, I'm reading a book by a man by the name of Sam Storms uh, called Understanding Spiritual Warfare. And he says this in the book. God... There are situations in our life 
where God will not intervene to give you daily victory unless you ask him. I mean, think about it as a parent. That's, it, I, can th- I can imagine as a parent, there are situations where I watch my kids and I know there's lessons they need to learn. And, you know, one of them is humility and teachability. And have you ever tried to teach your kids how to do something and they don't want to listen because they know how to do it and you're watching them and they don't know how to do it and they're going to hurt themselves or it's not going to work, whatever. But you finally realize, I have to pull back and I have to... Give them space to come to me and ask for help. Prayer is not the seventh piece of the armor. Notice you got the helmet of salvation, you got the breastplate of righteousness, you got the belt of truth. You got your shoes of the gospel, sword of the spirit, shield of faith. Not one of those things is prayer. That's because all of them are expressed through prayer. Prayer is the posture of a soldier in God's army. It's not one of the weapons. Every single one of these weapons are accessed and utilized through prayer. Prayer is the characteristic and the posture of a soldier in God's army. So when we talk about prayer, I'm not saying, here's one of the ways we engage in spiritual warfare. I'm saying prayer is the posture of spiritual warfare. I just think we maybe have a limited view of what prayer actually is. You know, like you don't have to be fingers, uh, uh, hands folded, eyes closed, on your knees, prayer. Prayer is more of a posture. In fact, I think sometimes we'd be better off if our prayer life had way, way, way less words and way, way, way more ears. Prayer is a posture, an awareness of what God's doing a listening and a leaning in and partnering with him. Sometimes I speak, sometimes he does. But it's in the posture of prayer that I wield the sword. It's in the posture of prayer that I take up my shield. It's in the posture of prayer that I keep that helmet of salvation on and I know who I am because I'm connected to the voice of the Father who says who I am. The enemy comes to my mind to accuse me and tell me that I'm worthless and that I'm, I'm irreparably broken and that if people really knew who I was and that I've, I'm disqualified from the anointing and from the call of God and that, that I'm too weak to engage in the battle. He comes with all these lies and in, in the posture of prayer, I keep that helmet of salvation on and I say, no, 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 no. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's prayer is, prayer is not a weapon. Prayer is the posture of a soldier in God's army. So, it, it characterizes the whole activity of the Christian soldier. I take my stand, how? Praying. I put on the belt of truth, how? In prayer. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, Praying, Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood that washes me. And right now I stand in the righteousness that is mine because of your sacrifice. Prayer. I want to take a chunk of Ephesians uh, here and just dig a little deeper. Just the uh, last couple of verses here, the last three. It says, to that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. In this passage on spiritual warfare, we see prayer is at the center of the battle, right? He's asking them to pray for him. He's asking them to pray there's, there's actually several things in here in prayer, but we can see 
prayer being this thread that's woven through the whole passage, but especially this section. I want to talk uh, to you today just about four alls uh, of prayer in this passage. Just in that short little section, Paul uh, says all four times. First one I want to talk about is he tells them to pray with all prayer and supplication. First of all, when he says pray with all prayer and supplication, this tells me there are many different ways to pray. He's saying, yeah, pray with all the kinds of prayer. All the kinds of, and supplication, by the way, is just making a request. I'm, I'm coming to God with a need. I'm saying, God, I'm asking you to meet this need. So, let me just real quick, I'll run through some prayers that you might pray in spiritual warfare. I'm not talking about different ways we pray, like praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, or, or praying by reading scripture, or whatever it might be. Those, they're beautiful. There's all kinds of different ways we pray. We pray in a posture of adoration and worship. But, but, so I'm just saying, in the context of spiritual warfare, here are um, a few different ways uh, a diff- different types of prayer. One, we, uh, we might be in warfare praying for ourselves. And this prayer is about, hey, I, I, Lord, I'm in a battle, and typically the enemy comes in to lie about your identity, about who you are. So prayer, when I'm praying and I'm in spiritual warfare for myself, I'm saying, God, I choose to hear your voice. I'm asking you, silence the voice of the enemy. Tell me who I am. Tell me who I am in Christ. I I know who I am, but I just need you to to illuminate the truth and make it real in my heart. In this moment, I need you to breathe your your breath on your word and reveal to me who I am in you. Remind me again who I am in Christ, what you've done for me in your life, in your death, in your burial, in your resurrection. I'm coming to you on behalf of myself I'm in a battle here to believe your word. Show me who who you are in me and for me and through me. This is a powerful weapon to use when you're in battle with the enemy. The second way we can pray is a prayer of resistance and rebuke. We can actually be praying to God and speaking to the enemy at the same time. Lord, give me the grace right now. With you standing with me, I'm resisting the enemy, and I rebuke him, and I command him to go in Jesus' name. This is Jesus in the wilderness. We see this this battle with the enemy, and let me tell you, he was in the middle of a 40-day fast. Let me tell you, he was in the posture of prayer. I don't know that Jesus was ever not in the posture of prayer, but he's declaring God's word. He's calling on heaven for strength and grace. And he's resisting and re- rebuking the enemy. That's why, you know, um, resist the enemy and you'll flee. The first part of that is submit yourself to God, right? There's this awareness of God that as I connect with him, now together, okay, now, now that we're connected, Lord, help me. Let's resist and rebuke the enemy. <clears throat> the third is a prayer for protection. You guys prayed for us, and there were several prayers. I would say this is spiritual warfare, that the fire of God is going before us, that the fire of God is surrounding us, that our homes are protected while we go, that, that God is going ahead of us and opening doors and making way, and all of that. There's, there's a prayer for protection. That's a prayer. That is spiritual warfare. And then uh, you can, we... And when we're in spiritual warfare, sometimes we can pray over a specific location. Have you ever walked into a room or a building and you just know there's something there and it ain't good? I don't exactly understand all the theology of this, but I know that there are principalities and powers over regions and places and locations. And there are strongholds not only in in humans, but I believe there are strongholds in places. And so in spiritual warfare, sometimes we're praying into a location. I uh, read a story. There's a, a, a great, an awesome uh, Christian speaker, teacher named uh, Jack Taylor. And 
actually the author of the book, Sam Storms, he said he told this story of one time he had to pick him up at the airport because he was speaking at the church. And so he was in charge of picking him up, and he took him to the hotel. And uh, when he took him to the hotel, Jack Taylor, he, he asked Sam, he said, would you go with me into my room and pray with me? And so the first thing they do, they go into the room, and uh, uh, Jack fell to his knees, and this is the prayer he prays. He prays this every time. First thing he prays when he goes into a health, uh, hotel when he's, when he's uh, speaking somewhere. He says, Father in heaven, would you, by your spirit, cleanse and purify this room? Whatever sins have been committed here, I ask that I be shielded from any and all defilement. Whatever evil spirits were invoked or may have taken up residence in this room, by the authority of Jesus Christ, I command that they leave. If pornography was viewed in this room, I ask that you drive away all lingering spiritual influence that may have come as a result. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This is an act of spiritual warfare. And then, you know, I, to be honest, I kind of hesitated to even share that example because I don't want this to sound like witchcraft, like some kind of, oh, every time I walk into a room, I need to pray a prayer, special prayer. I believe God's presence is in me and the light that's in me overcomes darkness. But I do believe there are moments where we need to engage in spiritual warfare and say, something's happened in this room and it needs to be dealt with. Another, another type of spiritual warfare prayer is when we pray for the afflicted or the oppressed. This is maybe we're dealing with deliverance. And some of the things I might pray when I'm praying for someone who's afflicted or oppressed by the enemy. I'm going to pray, Lord, would you silence the voice of the enemy right now? Silence any demonic voices that are tormenting this person. Like, first of all, shut off the noise so that I can deal with what's going on here. Holy Spirit, would you confuse and weaken the grip of the enemy's camp on this person? We see it over and over again in Scripture, right, where God's people, their enemy actually turned on themselves, and, and, the, they, and they, they didn't even have to fight the enemy. The enemy fought himself. Lord, bring confusion to the enemy's camp right now and weaken his grip on this person's life. And then, Lord, would you open their eyes to see the reality of the power of the cross, their identity in Christ. Open their eyes. This is a supernatural thing that has to happen. They've bought into a lie. There's a stronghold in their life. They cannot see the truth. Open their eyes now to see the truth. And of course, we might pray uh, God's protection and guidance over someone who's um, experiencing those things as well. <clears throat> and then the last type of prayer you might Pray, not, not that this is comprehensive, but the last one that I'm going to talk about that you might pray in, in this posture of spiritual warfare is for angelic support. And again, this is another thing where I am not into angel worship, and there, I do think there are people that take this too far. Like, I want to be aware of angelic activity, but I don't want to be distracted by angels when the, the Lord of hosts is in the room. Like, why would I be impressed with the angels when their boss is here? But at the same time, they do work for us, and they work for him. And so we do, we do have the authority. We see it in Scripture where angels are commissioned to minister on behalf of the saints. In Matthew 4.11, you can see the angels came and they ministered to Jesus after his temptation. And... Uh, a, a passage, a story in Scripture that's often used in uh, this realm of spiritual warfare with Daniel. Remember, there's an angel that was sent with a message for Daniel, and it was held up because the angel was in the middle of spiritual warfare. Well, there's an angel, right, being sent with a message, engaging in spiritual warfare on his behalf, all of that. But, but then even beyond that, if you read it in Daniel 10, you'll see that the angel touches Daniel and strengthens him. And actually, the angel touches him, and he's able to, to see and understand the message that the angel brought. So there is a biblical uh, footing for angelic support. And there is nothing wrong with saying, Lord, release your angelic hosts to, to minister to them now, to make a way for them, to open doors ahead of them. That is, that is 
biblical. That's not flaky, weird uh, witchcraft stuff. I think it gets weird when we overemphasize. Actually, most theological error isn't completely false. Most theological error is a truth out of balance. And what happens is somebody takes a truth and they go out of balance with it, and then we react and we just reject the whole thing. And we need to not reject it, but bring it back into balance. And so um, angelic support is a biblical concept. And I, I, th- I just wonder how many things we're doing when the hosts of heaven are waiting to be commissioned to do it. And it's like, boy, it'd be a whole lot smoother if we just invoked and commissioned angelic support. Um, so anyway, those are just some examples of ways that different types of prayer, because Paul said pray with all prayer and supplication. Those are different types of ways that we might pray in, in the realm of spiritual warfare. The um, second all that Paul says is pray at all times in the Spirit. It's interesting he says pray at all times in the Spirit. I mean, it, there's, there's several ways you can break that down. Pray at all times. He says that elsewhere, too, like, that we need to pray, always be in this posture of prayer. Don't, we don't stop prayer. And that's where we have to expand our idea of prayer because obviously if prayer is me saying words to God, that's impossible for me to pray without ceasing. But if prayer is a posture of my life where the antennas are always up, where I'm always in, in coordination with heaven and in cooperation with heaven, if that's what it is, I can do that. But it's interesting, he says, pray at all times. But he also says, pray at all times in the Spirit. I don't know how people who don't believe in the equipping of the Holy Spirit do spiritual warfare. I don't know how you do this stuff without the Holy Spirit. Because here's Paul saying, okay, this is how you engage in the battle. You don't, you don't only need to pray, and you don't only need to pray at all times. You need to pray at all times in the Spirit. And by the way, this also means if pray at all times in the Spirit, uh, if, if we're supposed to pray at all times, and at all times pray in the Spirit, that must mean that praying in the Spirit is more than just speaking in tongues. Now, I think we could do for a whole lot more praying in tongues. And I think it's the ultimate way to, you want to talk about prayer and spiritual warfare. You might not know what you're saying, but you know who else doesn't know what you're saying? The devil has no idea what you're saying. It's the best way to go to war. But also, this tells me that there's a way to pray in my understanding, in, in, my, in, langu- in English, and pray in the Spirit. There's a way to pray words and be completely dependent on the Spirit at the same time. And I, I think maybe what Paul's saying here is, to the degree that your prayers are leaning into the Spirit, dependent on the Spirit, that's the degree to which they are effective in spiritual warfare. This isn't about reciting some written prayer that has the right words in it, and now the enemy has to go. I think there's a place for that. I really do. I think there is a place for, there's a power in knowing, man, there's some old, old prayers that have been prayed for a thousand years by how millions of saints, and then I agree with them word for word. There's power in that, but there's only power in that when it's in the Spirit. So, not only does this mean prayer in tongues, but it means that my prayer is prompted by the Holy Spirit. And what I mean is we listen first. I love Mike Bickle's definition of intercession. Mike Bickle says that intercession is saying back to God the things that he tells you to say. So, if that's what intercession is, the first step of intercession has to be to listen, right? How do I know what he's telling me to say? 
And I get it, in the middle of spiritual warfare, we can get all ramped up and we want to go to war. But I just want to encourage you, pray in the spirit for a little bit, pray in tongues, and then just wait. Wait on God. Wait on God. Because oftentimes, if you're in the middle of a battle, for me anyway, when I'm in the middle of spiritual warfare, I'm dealing with the enemy and I'm dealing with fear. And if I'm not careful, rather than my prayers being fueled by the Spirit, it's fueled by my fear. And I begin praying out of the flesh. And so that's why I pray in the Spirit, because what the praying in the Spirit does is it builds up my spirit man. So in other words, the spirit voice in me gets louder than the flesh voice in me. And then I wait on the Holy Spirit. And I say, okay, I need your perspective on this thing. And I want to pray what you are telling me to pray. And then we go to war, partnering with the Holy Spirit. So we come and we say, Holy Spirit, what should I say? What should I do? And praying in the Spirit means we pray in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. My authority and my power in spiritual warfare is not mine. I don't come at the enemy in my own strength. I come at him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's a really, really good idea to also just ask him to fill you afresh again. I might... A little plug here, we're doing our Holy Spirit class, Walk in Power. And I think I can say this because I'm the one doing the teaching stuff. I think the teaching is like, okay. The revelation of this thing has been, we've been laying hands on one another. We're not prophesying over one another. We're not praying for needs. None of that. We're laying hands on one another. and We're praying those beautiful, simple prayers. Fill him up, God. Fill her up, God. More of your presence. Refresh her, refresh him. No, heal his knee, give him purpose. No prophetic, just simple, beautiful, more Lord. And my goodness, something inside of me was provoked when we did that in the class the first time. I said, this, we, should, we should have never stopped doing this. Why did we ever stop this? Anyway, the third all that Paul uh, shares is Pray with all perseverance. I wish that all wasn't in there. That's the one I wish you would have skipped. There's something in the perseverance in prayer. I don't know why we have to persevere. I don't know why he doesn't answer the first time. I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't answer right away. And I don't, I don't know that it's true that he doesn't answer. I don't know that we don't see results right away. That's a mystery. Sometimes we see Daniel... The reason we don't see the results right away is there's spiritual warfare happening in the heavenlies. I don't know any, I don't know. But I do know this, perseverance is good for me. And I do know this, persevering in prayer does something in me because prayer doesn't actually change. I don't think prayer changes out here nearly as much as it changes in here. Even if I'm praying for out there, I find what happens is God changes my heart for out there. I change. And there's something in that persevering when it's not a quick fix. It's not the Holy Spirit microwave, but it's, it's the slow cooker. And you got to persevere. And he's putting something in you where you, this, the, the answer goes deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart. And I think, you know, Proverbs says it's the glory of kings to unearth a matter, to discover a thing, to dig it up. And I think the reason for perseverance is this. In that process of digging and digging, I'm developing the muscles required to carry the answer. If I just ask God for a double portion anointing, God, just anoint me to do miracles right now. Let me tell you right now, I don't have the character or the strength to be a world-famous healing evangelist right now. <laughs> it would go to my head, right? But in the process of perseverance, God is shaping me and molding me. Yeah, big head. God, make me the world's best preacher. 
No, but in the process of persevering and digging, he breaks me and he molds me and he's providing me the strength to carry the thing that he wants to give me. Because remember, all his dealing in my life is love. So if there's a delay, the delay is for my good. And then the last kind of, uh, or the last all is he says to pray for all the saints. I was challenged this week in this. I really, I think we need to be stirred to pray for one another. And, and I, I, I want to pray for needs, but I think sometimes we have to be careful that sometimes actually those needs can be a distraction from the spiritual warfare. I know it seems like the uh, sickness or whatever that's from the enemy, all of that. But sometimes I, I think we miss out on just praying for one another for the deeper thing. You know, I would be fine walking with a limp the rest of my life and seeing people saved. I'd rather you pray for that. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but I think sometimes we, I want to pray for all those needs, but are we praying for one another? Are we praying God's purpose? Are we praying God's protection and God's peace over each other's homes, over our marriages? I, I, I think there's something there for us. We have to realize that Satan opposes the spread of the gospel. And I hope and I believe that God is stirring us. I really, really feel this thing of like it's put up or shut up time. Like most of us in this room have been saved for a very, very long time. And it's time that our faith looks like something. It's time that we take action. It's time we start bearing fruit, souls coming into the kingdom. Not just in our services, but in our lives. It's time that you and I lead people to Christ. And let me tell you, as we decide that we're going to actually live what we believe, the enemy is going to ramp up his attack because he opposes the gospel. He doesn't oppose us meeting. He opposes the advancement of the gospel. And I think we have to be, um, be aware of that and be practicing covering each other in prayer. Yeah, the enemy is at work in the body of Christ. He hates this thing because I don't believe that the church, I don't believe that the local church is an expression of the kingdom on the earth. I believe the local church is the expression of the kingdom on the, lo on the planet. Any ministry that I support Ministries that aren't in the, we give Young Life, we give to Young Life. I support parachurch organizations, absolutely. But I'll tell you this, they benefit the kingdom to the extent that they benefit the local church. Because the local church is God's plan for the planet. The local church is God's plan to advance the kingdom and the gospel. He has no other plan, no other way of doing it. There's no other way to bear fruit that remains than the local church. And the enemy knows that. So the enemy comes in and he tries to induce blindness in people's eyes so they can't see the gospel. He makes people sick so they can be discouraged and stop doing the thing that God has called them to do in the body. He uses fear to paralyze people. He sows Seeds of offense between brothers and sisters so that he can divide us. I mean, look at the Acts 2 church, or the, Acts, the Acts church. This church is growing weekly. I mean, just God is adding to their numbers. I mean, they start the church with thousands on the day of Pentecost, and then every day it just God keeps adding to their numbers soul after soul, thousands upon thousands of people getting saved. And so the enemy, he can't stop that, but what he can do is try to derail him. And so he, he plants a little seed in this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, and he says, you know what you should do? You should keep some of that money. I don't think they would have died if they would have kept some of the money. I don't think they died because they kept their own money. They, 
They died because they lied. But um, that's. But you see the enemy weaving greed, selfishness, because he, God was building this beautiful church that didn't think of themselves. They thought of one another. They were knit together. They didn't think about what the church could provide for them. They thought about what they had to give to, to the church. And he thought, if I can just derail that. So you see the attack of the enemy against the church. And you even see it even before the birth of the church. We see it in Peter with Jesus, right? Jesus tells the disciples about the cross. Peter says, no way. We're going to stop that. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. So I think we need to be aware of what's going on amongst us. Like the thing that's between you and this other person isn't just between you and this other person. It's an attack of the enemy against the body of Christ. It's, it's not actually about you and you. Like, the devil doesn't care about you and you. He cares about what this is doing. And so if he can sow something between you and you that disrupts where this is all headed. So we pray for one another. funny where we went in worship today because as I was preparing the message, I really felt this thing on perseverant prayer, perse- uh, perseverance in prayer. I really felt like that was kind of the, the direction God wanted to take us today. So as we close, I just want to encourage you in that. If the church is the insurgent force on the planet, We are. This isn't our home and the enemy is invading us. We're invading his territory. We are the insurgent force. And if prayer is our most powerful weapon in that war, maybe we can understand why Jesus said my house will be called a house of prayer. For all nations, by the way. So, persevering prayer. What's the prayer that you've given up on? Did did the Holy Spirit speak to you today in worship? Or maybe even now as we're speaking, God's bringing something up. And maybe it's not even something specific. Maybe it's the call of God on your life to the mission field. A dream he put in your heart that you were praying into to preach for healing. I can remember, I was just challenged this week about something. I felt like as, as a young person in my 20s, God put this thing on my heart for healing. And he, it wasn't, I'm going to do this in you. It was an invitation for me to press in. And I pressed in for like a week. And because of my weak character, I forgot about it and moved on. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, you laid that down. And I've, got, I've invited you to persevere into this calling of healing. What's that thing where maybe you haven't persevered? that the Holy Spirit is pointing his finger at today and saying, let's contend for this again. Let's contend for this again. Let's fight for this thing again. I just want to encourage you not to give the enemy a win in your life. See, if God has something for you and you stop persevering for it, his discouragement worked and he won. So, Lord, we, we thank you for the, this gift of prayer. It's the battlefield. It's the place we go to win our battles. Lord, I ask that you would give us the gift of perseverance. I'm not going to lie, God. I, I just don't have it in me to stick it out but I know your grace is sufficient. By your grace, we can persevere. So I I just pray, Lord, today for each one. I know there's people in the room that have dedicated themselves to going to war in prayer, and then for a season, they follow through, and then things get hard, and it fades away, and 
and, and they, they beat themselves up and they, well, I guess I just can't do that. I'm not the kind of person or whatever it might be. Lord, I just pray for the gift of perseverance. I pray for a fresh word on that thing. Wait a minute, God, you said. Wait a minute, there's no expiration date on your promises. You said it. You said that my parents would be saved. You said that my body would be healed. You said that you were gonna pour out your spirit on my workplace. Lord, you said you were gonna do these things and I'm, I'm picking it up again. I'm pressing in again in prayer. I'm going to war in prayer. Lord, I just pray on your people a warring spirit where there's discouragement and weariness. Lord, awaken your army. Lord, I pray that you would blow that trumpet, a call to war, and your people would arise, take up their place, and fight again. It's time to fight again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.